Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Thank you to the musicians. Thank you for the specials that were sung. Thank you all for singing and joining in, creating an atmosphere. Luke, chapter 17. I will start the reading from verse 20. Just to bring a little context, I'll really focus on verses from 26 down. But in verse 20, this is Luke chapter 17, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, the days will come. When you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. Now, the Son of Man would refer to Jesus Christ or, or God working through the office of flesh, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lightens out of one part under heaven shines unto the other part, so also shall the Son of Man be in his day. Now I want you to be reminded the Son of Man was not just when Jesus was on earth. The Son of Man has a day in this day today as well. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Verse 26. Now these are some conditions 
or characteristics that would be in the time of the Son of Man. It said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. What were they doing in that time? They did eat, they drank, they married wives. Now, nothing wrong with eating or drinking or marrying a wife. But when it's done in excess, and that's all that's on the people's minds, you've heard the saying, bumper stickers, eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we die. It's like this is all we're living for. No, we are here in the image of God. We're here because God created us, and we want to honor Him with our lives. It said, for until the day that Noah entered in the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, there was another condition that was also identified here. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Now, these, these are conditions that are identified in the Bible. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So these are conditions. The days of Noah, there's conditions that are there that are spirits that were in the earth that are in the earth today. And it's using vessels. There are spirits that were in the days of Lot. Where did Lot live? In Sodom and Gomorrah. And we all know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Men left the use of women and went after men. And women left the use of women and went after women. And it was a confusion. And if God so hated that, so destroyed it, where are we at today? Where are we at today? God bless you. You may have your seats. I'll invite you to read also with me in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees again. And now this is, we've really been dealing with this on a, on a natural level. I will be today again, but I'm trying to set the stage for some spiritual direction that this is coming because everything that manifests naturally has a spirit behind it. Matthew 19, verse 3, the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? So now they're tempting him. They're trying to find a loophole. It's entered a religious realm, and they're trying to find a loophole. Now Jesus takes them back to the beginning. He says, He made them male and female and said, For this cause... Shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife? And they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So then they referred him to the law of Moses. And they said, Why? Then they said unto him, Why did Moses then give commandment? to give a writing of divorcement and put her away. 
And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. I'll actually stop the reading there, Sister Ruth. But from the beginning it was not so. I'd like to speak today, if I can, on conflicting images. And as a subtitle, from the beginning it wasn't, or it wasn't so from the beginning. I'm going to go back to the book of Genesis for a moment, Genesis chapter 5. And now I've taken a number of services over the last little while. I've working on, on a thought of our identity, um, knowing our position in Christ. And I'm going to use this quotation for a moment. It's in a message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. And it says... The new birth is Christ, is a revelation. God has revealed to you this great mystery, and that's a new birth. And what are you going to do when you get that group together, when the revelation is perfectly in harmony, God expressing it through His Word by the same actions, the same things that He'll do, make the Word manifest? Oh, if the church only knew its position, it will one day. I love that second part. It will one day. Then the rapture will go when it knows what it is. That's the truth. I believe that. So in the beginning, and I, I, I'm just going to read this, Genesis chapter 5. I want to read this. There's two books that the devil hates. He hates the book of Genesis, and he hates the book of Revelations. Genesis because it shows his roots, his beginning, revelations because it shows his end. And I will say there's a people on the earth to which the book has always been there, but now in these last days, God is opening the mysteries that have been behind this book that have been hid to generations, but now in the end of time are being made known to us. Genesis 5 verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam, in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. If you actually go back and read the Bible, and we took this last week a little bit, we two weeks ago on Sunday we took a service on the masculine part of the image. We, we dwelt a little bit on the feminine part of the image. And today I want to just take it a little bit on these images coming into confusion in this last day. And I'm going to take a little bit of, rehearse a few things, but that's okay. I, I, I just trust that you are with me. So if I rehearse a few things, just stay with me. I want to also just read out of a message called Oneness. The first man and first woman in the Garden of Eden were in perfect harmony with God. They would speak lip to ear, Adam and Eve. That is perfect oneness. I'll come to this in a few slides here in a moment. And if you actually notice, the Eve was never given a name. She was always 
under the name of Adam until she fell or broke away from that image. Then she was given her own name. But until that time, she was under the name of Adam. And in this last day, there's a people, and in, in when, when it's a spirit of the age that's around us, women do not want to take their husband's name. They want their own name. The Bible in the book of Isaiah would refer to it, in that day, seven women shall take a hold of one man, saying, let us have your name, but they wanted their own identity. So that was uh, a type not only of the natural, but it's also a type of seven ages. But in the last day, there's coming a fruition. There's coming two women that are coming to fruition. One will have her identity. The other one will be identified in him. And I, I believe we're coming to that hour. I want to read, if I can, also here in oneness, he would say, any man and his family, a correct, good, noble, obedient family, um, they are one together. If there's something in the family that moves them apart, the family is broken. If there is a disagreement somewhere, then they're, they're, then they're broken. He said, that's God's purpose. He as a father wants to be one with his family, his earthly family. And he said, also as it was with Adam and Eve. Now, he will go and identify it. It wasn't just a oneness in name. It wasn't a oneness that was just uh, in, in verbalization or in a contract or an agreement. But it was oneness in nature and in spirit. So we can never serve God just under our old fallen nature. We need to recognize that until he comes into us. Until we die out to ourselves, and, and it's not just a one-time death the day you're baptized, but it's a continual yielding, it's a continual dying out, that it's more of him and less of me. And that's, that's what we're looking to be. Are you here with me this morning? Just give me a little bit of volume, a little bit more if you can. I feel like I'm yelling, I don't want to want, feel like I'm, I'm yelling here the whole time. I'm going to be a little bit deliberate, as I said, in, in what we're going to do. If you can put the PowerPoint um, up for me, and I'll, I'll, I'll just take this a little bit from the beginning, and then I'm going to take something that, that is um, afterwards. You can turn the lights, Brother Alan. Thank you. In the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form. And void and the darkness was on the earth and the spirit of God moved on the face of the waters and God said let there be light now we won't read the whole book of Genesis but it was six days of creation on the sixth he was always ascending he went from creating the earth and creating the light and creating all of these things and and then it was botany life and then it was fish life so God was evoluting if you want to call it he was always ascending and on the sixth day he created man in his image. So it was, here was the earth, and here was the solar system. Here was the stars. Here was God setting out from the beginning a pattern that he would follow through to the end. Now, if you know God, he is the same. He is immutable in all of his ways. He cannot change. He is God. We change, but God cannot change. So here was creation. It was beautiful. It was, it was when every flower was there. He would, it was God that planted the first 
the first seeds of a tulip. And it was God that planted the first seeds of a rose. And it was God that planted all of botany life with this commandment. Let it bring forth by the seed that was in itself. And he would do the same for all the fishes and, and all the, 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 the fowls of the air and, and all of the creeping thing over all the earth. God set that forth in motion. He's the creator. He's the one. And all of these things still carry on to this day. Now, as we, w- we went that way, we'll just drop down to the verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So the first creation in the book of Genesis, now whether you realize it or not, and, and we've got different people here, we've got visitors, we've got others, so I'll, I'll be deliberate, I'll be slow, but we've also got young children, children that are learning, children that are growing, so sometimes we need to address that as well. Is that all right? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm operating under ox anointing this morning. It's not evangelistic. I appreciate, appreciate all the brothers that minister, and, and I, I say thank God for how he leads them and directs them and inspires them and anoints them. But in Genesis chapter 1, when God said, let us make image, that was a spirit man, or what we call a theophany being. Now, that theophany being, you are your outside flesh, but inside of you there's a spirit being. And there's a spirit being that, that's similar to animal life. Animal life has uh, an outside physical being, but it also has a spirit being. Not every animal, not every dog, not every cat is alike. They all have different spirits, characteristics, different things within them. But the difference is man, when he was made, man was made with a soul. Animal life did not have a soul. Man had a soul. So we're a three-part being. And the first part of us that ever was, was spirit being. The first part before we ever came, there was a spirit that we were attached to. But when the body was born, then the spirit came on that body. I'm not going to take time with that. But it said in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. So he created them, male and female created him. So God had an image for a man part and for a woman part. And in Genesis 1, it was a theophany. But then in Genesis 2, he made man from the dust of the earth. That's the human part we all identify with now. That's that's what we see. So in one sense, it is... The gene of God, there's a spirit part of you. Um, you're, you're, we, we can't discount our flesh. But our flesh holds the spirit, contains the spirit. Our spirit contains the soul. But in the beginning, God thought of you as a heavenly. It was a theophany being. It was a perfect being. It was immortal. The original man was not meant to die. He was sinless. He lived by the word. Adam had perfect faith in God's word. He didn't doubt. There was no fear. There was just perfect love. This was the realm that man lived in. It was written in the Lamb's book of life. He possessed Zoe life. To the Christian, that's the real you. Now there's another part of you which is 
the gene of man, and now I'll come to it in a minute, but when man fell in the garden, he, he lost some of that image. Jesus Christ brings it back to you. But that image, that's the perfect image of Genesis 1. Genesis 2, now this man, the, the earthly, the fleshly man, God formed him out of the dust of the earth. He was mortal. Later he was born in sin. And because he was born in sin, a nature of sin was in him, loves the world. Written in the book of life. There's a book of life that is written of every life that was on the earth. One day we'll all stand before God and we're going to read from the book of life. Every life that was ever lived, that name will be written. And that, 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 that's everyone. More importantly, I want to be found in the Lamb's book of life. That's why we're here. So he says, that man, that simply, if you're only born this way, you're going to need a new birth. I'm going to need a new birth. Every one of us needs a new birth. And he says, this is the negative part of you. You can't see all of that. So, in Genesis 2, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So now, here, Adam and Eve were created in Genesis 1, but now there's a physical form in Genesis 2. I don't know what that image looked like or what it was like, but, you know, there's some artists, they'll have pictures, but it was in the garden, and here, out of the dust, God creates Adam. And he creates Adam, and Adam was, at that time, in a physical form, and Adam was the God of the earth. As much as God was a God of the heaven, Adam was a God of the earth. He had everything, and it was Adam who would see all of the animals, and it was Adam who named all of the animals. And as he's naming all of the animals, he's seeing there's two of this and two of that and two of that. And Adam has this longing that he can't describe, and he longs, he longs for something more. He longs for another part of himself. And that's the way God was in the beginning. God was Elohim, the self-existing one. But he longed to have fellowship. He longed to have children. He also longed to have a bride. And so he thought of her from the beginning. And she was going to be in his image. So here is Adam and he has this longing. And now God takes from Adam. Here's Adam over all the earth. My, wouldn't that have been a great place? But it's a terrible place to be alone. As much as you can have fellowship and you can do all of that, and there's something that Adam desired. So the Bible would say, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of man. And that's where the woman entered into creation. I could take time with this, but it's all part of God's design. She wasn't part of the original, but she came in out of the image that God had designed. 
So here is, for the first time, maybe the male or the female image. And as the prophet would describe it, he would say, it was God's great economy of innocence. So contrary to this last age, this was God's Eden, but we're now living in Satan's Eden, where in Satan's Eden, it's, a, it's perversion. It's all kinds of things in the world around us. But back then, it was an economy of innocence. And their eyes were held. They, they had never partaken of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They didn't even know they were naked. They didn't even know. They were perfect. They were pure. Now, you and I can't even hardly fathom that kind of thinking. But here, God draws that first man and that first woman. And the first time, he maybe presented Eve to Adam. I don't know. There, there must have been something in Adam that goes, yeah. I, I, was, I was listening to your father speak the other day, Brother Andrew, and he's saying the first time uh, Adam saw, saw his the, the woman comes and says, whoa, man, <laughs> woman. <laughs> but she was coming forth from man. She was meant for man, just as the bride is meant for Christ. He is still the reign. He holds the reins. He's the ruler. And, and so the first time he brought, there was something, I would say he was attracted to her because she was a part of him. How could he not love her? No man has yet hated his own flesh. He couldn't help it. So Adam and Eve, they were there in the Garden of Eden in God's economy of innocence. And we know that it was a, a great thing. And, and I, I won't get into the whole story of Genesis. But a serpent came and beguiled Eve. And all I can tell you right now is it wasn't an apple. That was not the original sin. It was not an apple. Because even God spoke of what was going to happen, that Adam and Eve, the male has the seed. The male has the seed. And that's what reproduces life when it enters the bedding ground of the woman. But there was another seed introduced in the Garden of Eden. And that's those two seeds are in the earth today. Those two seeds are coming to a head in this last day. I'll, I'll leave it at that for today. In, the, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, they, and after they partook of, of what they were not to do, the eyes of them both were opened. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves. They made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and his Eve and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called, God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? Can you imagine? Adam, who loved to have fellowship, but when sin came in and entered the picture, he ran to hide from God. That is still the nature of fallen man. That's your nature, my nature. When we're in the flesh, we hide from God. But when we recognize we need a Savior, we run to God. And that's the only place that we can find that. So Adam and Eve, they were clothed. They were cast out from the Garden of Eden, and they began uh, to walk out from that. Now, let me read just a couple of things as I move along here. When God made the first man in the Garden of Eden, he made them male and female. He was, made, uh, he was a man made in God's image, a spirit. He put him in flesh, Genesis, the next chapter. And after he had already made them male and female, 
and there was still no man to toil the soil, so he created man out of the dust of the earth, not in his image, but then God came down in the form of man by Jesus Christ to redeem the man that fell from the image of the earth. He was made in the image of the earth. So the, the spiritual image was a masculine and a feminine that also reflected in what they were housed in. But when they fell from that image, listen, let me just, just hold, hold here for a minute. We can think a man is a man when he's 200 pounds and he's a brute. That's not an image. That, it can be 200 pounds a brute and there's not an ounce of man in him. It isn't just being macho. It isn't just being a brute. It is, it's about being what God formed us to be. A leader formed us to be one who would accept God and take the ownership and take responsibility and not run from things. That's still what we need to come to. And, and that's what Satan is trying to diminish in the last day. So he said he was made in the image. Now, this first man, Adam, look at it. In the spirit, he was feminine and masculine. And then he was made flesh. He had no helpmate. Then God, a woman is not in the original creation of God. She's a byproduct of the man. So to make them one, he opened the side of Adam. And he took a part of the woman's flesh so they wouldn't be separated They'd be one, and he took part of Adam's spirit, part of Adam's flesh, and took the feminine spirit off Adam and made an Eve. That's, that's the way it was. Now, just, just as we follow through, because we're getting into what's very conflicting in the age we live in. When you see a woman the way some of our modern women, haircuts like a man, smoke like a man, cuss like a man, when you see a woman that wants to be masculine, there's a perversion there somewhere. How many can say amen to that? And he says, when you see a man that's sissified with a look, and he must, must be talking about a haircut, like a duck sitting on the back of his head. Can you imagine that? Come up to somebody and say, hey, excuse me, sir, there's a duck sitting on your head. I don't think they take too kindly to that. But it paints a picture, doesn't it? That wasn't what God had in the beginning. And he's saying, and so forth, and he wants to wear women's clothes all the time. There's something perverted there somewhere. God made men to be men and women to be women. Amen. That's the truth. I am sick and tired of pronouns. When, when school boards are coming and saying, Teaching, teaching educators not to use masculine and feminine names. That didn't happen until just the last few years. It's showing a perversion. It's upon the earth today. That's not God's way. I, I watched a senator, in, and we had this on at our place yesterday, and I just, we were just looking. It was a senator in the United States Senate, and they were talking about some trans laws and things like this. And the senator asked this college professor at Berkeley in California. And he's, he's asking her a question. Uh, when you say uh, people that have the ability to have reproductive rights, and he asked her, are you referring to women? Because she couldn't say it. 
And, and she says, well, she said, some men that are changed can also have it. I, I understand that. But are you saying women? And she just comes right out and says, your line of questioning is transphobic, and I just want to make that known right now. And he says, well, what, what, what? And he's thinking, and, and like, I can't believe it. Like, this is, this is things we have to put up with in the world today. Friends, this world is perverted. How did it get that way? Satan is a perverter of the original. There's got to be something that started that way from the beginning. One thing this message has done, it has sowed the seeds of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelations. Why? That we can have a foundation that we can stand on in the face of everything around us. I trust this isn't, this doesn't come out at you from left field. We may not be politically correct here, but that is just fine. I want to be right with God before I'm right with anybody else. Luke 17, as it was in the days of Noah. We read this earlier. Let's just jump ahead. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So in the days of Noah, they were building and eating. Now, I want you to notice something. Man up until, man in the Garden of Eden, they lived eternally. But when they broke the image, when they went into something God had not ordained, then they lost their eternal life, and God says, in that day you shall die. Now, a day was a thousand years, and no man lived more than a thousand years on the earth. Why? Because to break God's word causes death. Now, man lived for a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. Noah lived, I think, 930 or whatever it was, and, and, and all the different ones. They, they lived hundreds and hundreds of years. But in the days of Noah, something happened. And in the days of Noah, Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, remember, there was two seeds on the earth. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, now listen, there was still a, a difference in delineating the lineage of God and the lineage of the sons of men. You can read it in the book of Genesis there was twins that were born. One had one nature. One had another nature. And if you follow the lineage of the nature of Cain, and, and, and it was wisdom, and it was knowledge, and it was, it was everything that was contrary to the Spirit of God in humility. And those lineages were kept apart, naturally speaking. But there came a time when they came together, and the Bible is identifying it here. It's saying, and the son, when men began to multiply, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, they were fair, and they took them wives of all they would choose. And the Lord said, my spirit will not always strive with men for his flesh. And now he says, yet his day shall be 120. Do you see what it meant to cross, to hybrid? It brought death. It brought a reduction in the life cycle from a thousand years down to 120. Now, and listen, even in the day we live in, 
120 isn't even what's allotted to us anymore. It's 70 years now. Why? Because of high breeding. Because there was an original seed and Satan came in with another seed. Do you see why God wants us to be separate? Do you see why he wants the church or the bride to be separate even from the church world? Because it's a perversion. It's crossing boundaries that God has set. I want to be straight with what I'm saying this morning. And there were giants in the earth those days. And after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they were born children to them, they became mighty men that which were of old, men of renown. Now, why? They mixed and a different spirit came in amongst them. Now that's the spirit you and I were born under. There's no natural lineage anymore. It's all mixed up. But God still has a seed on the earth. And that seed was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And God watched over it no matter where we came from. Because there's not one of us that wasn't born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We all came to the world speaking lies. Listen, even the great men of the Bible. Abraham was a great man of the Bible. He lived his life for, for 75 years. Nothing of God. He was an idol worshiper. Abraham was an idol worshiper, but when God spoke to him, something clicked and said, I am not this. This is a voice like any any other voice. I won't get into it today, but our hearing is something that stays with us. It's, It's one of the most acute senses we have. Visually, our eyes take in a lot, but our hearing, they say, hearing is actually formed in you within 12 weeks of the gestation period. In other words, a baby learns to detect its mother's womb. It hears it first. They say when you go to sleep, all the other senses shut down, but you're hearing. Why do you wake up? Generally because there's a noise, not something you saw. It's a noise. It's a crack of thunder. It's, It's one of your children crying. It's your hearing. And they say as you die, hearing is one of the last senses. People have gone to near death. It's one of the last senses. They hear voices, but they can't see. They can't do it. Hearing is one of the last things. But by hearing, hearing God's word also brings faith. By hearing what God is saying, by hearing a voice, there's something that quickens us. That, that, that says, never a man spake like this man. Never have I heard a voice like this voice. Hearing. That's a different thing. Now let me, let me move further. As it was in the days of Lot, I, I won't get into all the perversion, but Lot's daughters, Lot who was walking with Abraham, but yet he chose his own path. God promised Abraham something. Abraham lived separate. God, Lot went into Sodom. Lot went into Sodom where even they raised Daughters that never even knew men. That's how perverted that society was. And the prophet would say, if God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, then he's obligated to destroy the world that we live in today. You see where it's gone to. It's perverted. Let me just back up on this a bit. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment... Spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of unrighteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly 
and turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. He delivered just Lot. He was vexed with the filthy, filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Friends, you can't turn to a billboard. You used to be able to, back in the day when I grew up, Disney was wholesome. Disney had, you know, old yeller and, and family movies. Disney has long left that behind. They now promote transgender characters in cartoons that are marketed to children. They promote homosexuality. They say we're all inclusive. Where did that come from? It's a perversion. It's designed to throw us into confusion. And he says, I like, I like the last verse. This may sound very negative, but here, here's the good part. Verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. God will make a way. Put God first. He'll stand for you. Now, let me take this. This will be a little bit of rehearsal of some things from last week. I took this. I'm not going to read. I'm not taking all the slides. I've thinned this down, but I'm just going to take a couple. We had a messenger in this last day. God never brings judgment to earth without first bringing a voice. A prophet in the Bible was identified as the son of, a son of man. And in this last days we're promised again the revealing of the son of man. So there's a voice that came out. And he spoke a message called the invasion of the United States. Let me, let me just stop for a moment. I'm going to just, just hold that for a minute. I want to read something here to just identify where I'm going for a moment. We are living in a day of confusion. We're living in a day when men and women hardly know what to do. Everything it is seems to be in turmoil. It seems there's so many different ways to look. That is Satan to do that. He also says in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, talking about Andrew and Simon, the fishermen, and it says they were living in a very religious time, the Pharisees. Their father was a staunch believer, and he told them, there is coming a Messiah. He's been promised from the Garden of Eden, but before he comes, there'll be quite a bit of confusion because Satan is going to throw every counterfeit he can to block the real thing. Now, it's amazing to me, just, just taking that Quote, he says, he always does that. Remember, if there's a bogus dollar, there's a real dollar somewhere. So he says there's always an original, and then there's a perversion of the original. Counterfeiters always work off of an original. And how are we going to know the difference? By studying the counterfeit or by studying the original? Studying the original. But we're also not ignorant of Satan and his devices. Now, in the Garden of Eden, he came to Eve, and I'll come back to it. He came to Eve, and he beguiled her. Three temptations. He came with the same three temptations to Jesus Christ. The three temptations. 
the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And he says, in the end time, he comes with the same temptations. If you want to read a message, the harvest time, he calls it Satan's three schemes. That's what they're called. Now, I'm, I'm not going to spend time with it right now. I just want to take you in this. But it's confusion. In a day when God is bringing people to their identity, their real part that they are, the real part of manhood and womanhood, the real part of a spiritual church under her mate, Jesus Christ, the real part in that age, Satan is throwing everything that's confusing. Do you see it? I believe we see it. You know, when, when, when we heard the messages that the prophet came with, and he said, we're living in a Sodom Gomorrah, a modern Sodom and Gomorrah, it hardly seemed like it. But I'll tell you what, you can see it now. It's manifesting time. The fruits are on the vine. It's all around us. We're living in the harvest time. But it also, if that's the false, there's a real somewhere too. So, he preaches a message called the invasion of the United States. At that time in 1954, it was coming into the time of what was called the Cold War, Russia against the USA. So we all had these pictures in our mind when we heard about the invasion of the United States. We said Russia is going to come and they're going to invade the United States. And we're thinking, wow, i got to listen to this message. I'm going I'm to get in on the secret. And, and, he, and we had these images, you know, these tanks and submarines are going to pull up on the beaches and there's, there's going to be soldiers and they're all going to pop up and they're going to take over America and it's going to be dark and gloomy and, 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 and we would picture all of Russia coming in we think that's the invasion. And that wasn't what it was at all because Satan operates in a different way. He operates in a spiritual realm. So he came to America and brought darkness on America, but he did it in a completely different way. The invasion of the United States, and I can include Canada with that, include the whole world with it, it started where? It started at this place called Hollywood. That's where spirits began to infiltrate. It used to be fashions of the world would start in Paris or in London, but it moved to Hollywood. Now I'm going to take a quick journey here. You just stay with me. This is what was said in the message. Now notice, the devil, he set up his headquarters in Hollywood. He landed there a few years ago, 15 or 20 years ago, with this great army, and he hit in Hollywood, California, and he's invaded the United States with demon powers. Our fashions come from Paris. They get on Hollywood. Little girls, little boys, they watch them screenplays. Nice little kitties. God bless their hearts. Nothing against them. Cinemas that were just there, you'd have to pay to get to them. It used to be for a Christian that grew up in the time, that was a no-no. You never did that. But over time, the barrier broke down and you came into it. And then over time, the barrier broke down again and a television came into the home. And then if it wasn't just a television with rabbit ears, remember those rabbit ears? Sometimes you get a lot of snow if you didn't get them right on your television. That's what I grew up with. And, and, and we didn't realize what was happening right in our homes. And then it's changed even from televisions to devices. And devices, now it's on every phone. Now it's at, accessible. And, and it isn't just science. There's a message behind what's coming in. He says, look friends, it's so cunning. 
It'll come in so easy. It just smothers you down. The devil used to be in fashions. He made up, went out in fashions, but he didn't go in business. He's still in business. And now he's, he's, he's bringing this warning naturally, but he says, and the same thing to the church of the living God. Friends, let's not polish this message up. The message is the message. It is straight. It is true. It's what we need. They get out and try to glamorize, fix themselves up. They strip their women, and people don't realize devils are invading your homes. Talks about Ahab, a king in Israel. Israel had godly kings, godly kings, till Ahab came. What was behind Ahab? Jezebel. This will come into an, the next service, but, but just stay with me. Ahab had his sail set. It was on this side or that side. His marriage got him messed up with a little woman, which is a princess, a king's daughter, a Jezebel. Very pretty to look at. Very beautiful woman. But in her heart, she was wicked. And she was an idolater. And she caused all of Israel. How I'd like to get on that border for a minute as we get to the core of this on motherhood, every time you break the morals of womanhood, you break the backbone of the nation. God needs women in the home. Needs mothers in the home. Your children need you, mothers. They need you to be there when they come home. But the enemy would try and pull one upon us. I'm just saying it. This is the way the prophet said it. I believe we have a place. Now, uh, this will be a quick rehearse. What's the Civil War got to do with all of this, Brother Ed? Well, the Civil War, up till that time, America was a number of little towns and cities and things like that. But the Civil War that came gave rise to communication. Newspapers, I'm summarizing this from last week quickly. Gave rise to the age of communication. Modern marketing began to be War news, mass communications, it started into daily reading habits, advertising, mass production began to sell baked goods and canned goods and ready-made clothing and medicinal products. So these two came together and, and it began to be modern, but it began to be marketed. And marketing, the target was the female. It brought limitless opportunity because women were in charge of the household. They bought the goods, you know, and they influenced the home and the way it came. And listen, this, this, this is all good for a period of time, but watch the slicker. The same enemy that came to Eve and he told her, listen, a woman in her place is the most marvelous, beautiful thing. And he says, and we ought to reverence this and hold it up. But Satan will paint pictures that are different than that. And I say, to every man that is here, don't ever lose the image that God has of your wife. Don't ever lose the image that God has for real womanhood. Keep that in front of you because everything is painted differently around us today. It's very, very different. So he would say the target market was the female because she influenced it. So this is strictly on marketing. This gave rise to a magazine called the Ladies' Home Journal. And in it, they had patterns, recipes, needleworks, decorating tips, fiction, and romance. It was first published in 1883. The influence of the magazine, it began to be advice, opinions, finance, child care, beauty, home care, health. By 1933, it had a circulation of one million. This magazine coming to its pinnacle. And in 1933, several other events happened. 
1933, it was, it was a man rose up in Germany called Adolf Hitler. In 1933, it was two men in Ohio created a fictional character called Superman. And in 1933, a man was baptizing on the Ohio River. And an angel came. Because Satan always throws a counterfeit, but God brings the real. And God was there to combat the enemy. So this magazine, and, and early pictures of the magazine, women in skirts, and, and, and nice pictures, all very, very nice. You could buy it for 10 cents. Isn't that marvelous? He says, and at that time in New York, there was a, an avenue called Madison Avenue Mark, Marketing. They had a slogan. The proper study of mankind is man, but the proper study of markets is women. So they knew there was a market. A woman, a woman is a receiver. We as a church are a receiver for either the seed of God or the seed that the enemy would throw into us. This, this company, J. Walter Thompson, they talked about forceful advertising. They ran a creative department made almost entirely of women. They used market research and psychology. It began to be 75% of all their billing and income. Oops, sorry. This man, it was the advertising age, began influencing a particular demographic, and in the end, they began to shape women for the next 40 years. They targeted, started out with household goods. I don't see spam up here, but I'm sure it was in there too. But it began to be different things that were marketed. Oh, it all seems really good. Why are you bringing this up? Because it all looks really good, but the same enemy that comes in with one little thing. And watch, he's setting in motion things. Cultivated the image of a happy homemaker. Created a home where there was an image of a, a wife and entertaining and happy place to be. This is wonderful. It was done strictly on market supply and demand. That's how it was done. It was done, hey, this is where there's a market. Uh, there's women at home. There's men that are making money, but the channel comes through this. So the woman was empowered in her home by, by products and household essentials that were advertised. Still happens today. The advertising slowly expanded to femininity. It began to be Lux, uh, these are all Lux ads, and it says, and they began to have been identified just like the movie stars used. So they started to present an image. You know, that's something that, that all of marketing, I should have Brother John Perizok come up and teach this part of the class on marketing and, and things. And there's a, there's a whole part of this that I, I really want to get to that I'm not going to get to today, but... Um, Anyway, it was young, alive, radiant. So femininity was brought in. It started to evoke passion. And, and it began to show makeup. It began to show, uh, you know, more promiscuous dress. It began to show more intimacy on the screen than had ever been shown. That was intimate in the day and its age. Where did it start? It started through all of this medium. A skin you love to touch. And it began to introduce sexuality into advertising. Sex appeal, appeal to romance, so, and then it began to even introduce nudity. Promiscuous dress wear began to be there. And, and it began to, do you see how subtly it comes in? Comes in. What started on, on, on book form went to radio. And radio now with sound and music. And you know how much sound plays into things? 
You know, you, 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 you know, you, you've, you've maybe, maybe over time somewhere you've seen, you know, the scene of, of you know, the scene of, of, of the damsel in distress and the villain. <laughs> and the damsel is there and the music takes this, it brings it to a, a level. But they began to bring this all in. So as they brought in, uh, brought in these ads. There was a nice music. It was a pleasing music. You can do this. And, and, and it broke down the barriers. It broke down the walls. Listen, I, I got things I need to get into in some of this, and I will do it later. But I'm just saying, that's how the enemy works. So it went from radio to television. And then instead of reading, it began to be watching this as a family. Instead of even taking time with God's word, it began to replace that. And it, can st- it still happens to this day. It still happens to this day. Television images hitting a target audience. Reading daytime books, reading books began to be daytime soap operas. Began to be lives of, of women and men. And, and it wasn't always healthy. It wasn't always good. But it began to be there as an image portrayed and sent for him time to time. Message, he swore by himself. There's a lot of women here. A woman is a marvelous thing. If God could have given a woman anything, a man anything better than a woman, he would have done so. But this is a woman's world. Is it a woman's world? I'll read another quote here in a minute. She's running the whole thing. Not your house mothers here, but I mean out in the world. Let some little striptease out in Hollywood start to cut her hair some way. Watch all the girls cut their hair the same way. Or they start some fad in dress. Watch all the girls do the same thing. Christians and all, so-called. It's a woman's world. Laodicea, the age we're living in, means woman in Greek. This is a woman's world. It's a woman's church. It's a woman's age. Several men wanted to. When did God ever get it in that condition? Did God ever do it? The enemy did it. Are you ready to bring back a revival? A woman said, I have a right to do what I want. That's my American privilege. It's your American privilege, but it isn't a God-given privilege. A sheep, well, a goat will kick up a fuss, but a sheep stands still and says, be it unto me according to your word. Forfeits its rights. If you're a child of God, you'll forfeit your American rights to the Holy Spirit. Let him mold you and make an image. So the image to that time was that of a happy housewife. But it began to change at the time of the sexual revolution. There was a man named Kinsey who wrote what's called sexual behavior in the human female. Women began to read it. He began to tap into psychology. He began to talk into freedom of expression. And and it was marketed towards women and suddenly it began to pervade even the mediums that were there. It charged in, it changed in behavior, strapless dresses, plunging necklines. First time they ever showed midriff was after that report went out. Undergarments became visual. Cosmetics had a sexual innuendo. There was a hair coloring called Clairol. And it it came up with a very clever marketing line. Up to that time, women never used to dye their hair. They never do anything And they would make this thing, does she or doesn't she? So they began to market it that way. They would use these images of women with their children and with their children. He says, are you just a hair shade away from looking younger, prettier? Now, does she or doesn't she? 
And then they came up with another slogan right behind it, and it said, hair color so natural, only her hairdresser knows for sure. Now, it began to put like this little bit of an enticement there. Do you see where this is going? You see where the enemy leads things? Prior to this, marketing was based on supply and demand. Now it was a targeted demographic of women. Moving beyond the stereotype, a woman's role was being pushed to a higher level. Now, I have a whole bunch of slides I could have snuck in here at this point, but I'm not because i got to move forward. But it was done by subtly diminishing the man's role. It gave women permission to take charge of their lives. And television shows like I Love Lucy came out. Oh, it was a barrel of laughs. It was so easy. What, what in the world is wrong with I Love Lucy? Well, what it did is it put the woman on a level and it reduced the man to an image of a bumbling husband. It was starting to shift something. It was starting to change something. And the enemy was planting those seeds. I, I grew up and we, we, for, for a period of time we, in, in a home, my father had a television home. We saw it. We laughed. We, but we didn't realize the seeds that were being planted. Listen, I had this conversation with a man the other day. He had gone actually. Uh, he's moved. He's a denominational Christian and he moved up to Canistano of all places. And he got married to someone. And you'd know who it is, Brother James. And he said to me, and we were talking the other day, and, and he, he knows I'm a pastor of a church, and so I was up in Canistra, he says, are you associated with those Branhamites? I said, absolutely, but I don't market myself as that. I have a relationship with God, but I believe. And, and he goes, and, and we talked, and we had some basis in commonality. It was a good discussion. And eventually it led to, so where do you get that women have to wear dresses? I said, because it's a, women, it's a woman's, it's in the Bible. And it says in Deuteronomy 22, a man shall not wear a garment pertaining to a woman. A woman shall not wear a garment pertaining to a man. But because it's a woman's world, it's deemed offensive to women. But 20 years ago, how many times did you see a man wearing a dress? That would have offended you. Hey, I, I told you this last week. I'm, I'm out in a little market on, on the Sunshine Coast on, on, on one of the islands. Uh, I think it was, anyway, we're on the islands, a little country market, and we're going into a coffee shop. And I walk in the coffee shop, and there's a guy, a guy wearing a dress, serving coffee. I'm going, not this one, honey, next one down the road. <laughs> hey, Satan is a perverter. The original rainbow was in the Garden of in, 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 uh, in the days of Noah, it was a covenant. But Satan has painted that rainbow to be something else. He's a perverter. The original sin in the garden, it was not an apple. But it's, no, it's, it's funny that one of the largest companies in the world is apple, and their symbol is an apple that has a bite taken out of it. Hey, they said... That, that wasn't even the whole reason. They said, they, it, it's a subtle imaging, they, they said was that it would be a bite, a B-Y-T-E is a computer uh, slang, that's a thing. 
That's what they were trying to emulate. They were actually trying to say, go ahead, cross the line. That's the subtle thing underneath. Do you see where the world has taken us? Now listen, you and I are not smart enough to see all of these things. Eve was not smart enough to handle the the serpent's subtility. Her protection was behind Adam. Our protection is behind the Word of God. I don't know what the world is doing, but I want to stay in my role as a man. I want to stay in my role as a woman. I want to stay where there's not confusion. So Lucy, I love Lucy. Husband, diminished. Wife, elevated. There was another woman at that time Simple little show. Mary Tyler Moore was her name. And it was a story about a single woman who, who had left, her, her man had dumped her and she'd gone to take a job in the big city. It was all about her making her own way. Listen, this came out after reports on feminism, after reports on all of these things. And it subtly became an influence promoting independence, lifestyle, financially. It was the image that a woman who became a great woman in this day in the world, Oprah used, she said, that was the greatest influence in my life. And Oprah says, she's the richest self-made woman in America, talk show host, television producer, author, leading philanthropist. That was the greatest image for me. And she began to be a woman with a talk show and, and fighting for women's rights. Fight for a better life. A book she put out. Where was her influence? I'm not even getting into music today, but the Beatles, who came up with some of the most uh, haunting and, and influential songs, they took their image from Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, who used to be a Pentecostal, but he sold out to be the king of rock and roll. And he influenced the Beatles. He influenced other groups. Where, how did all these things come in? By subtility. The, the, there was a book written called Sex and the Single Woman. And a woman named Helen Gurley Brown wrote the book. And it began to further cross a threshold. Not just financially. Not just independence. But now you can do what you want in your relationships. And movies came out. Sex and the Single Girl. It became openly... Broadcast, you don't need to be married to have sex. How did America get where America got? How did Canada get? How did the world get where the world got? Because somebody influenced it. Brought way 35 years later to, I'm not even going to show images from the show, but it was six in the city, talking about four women. All it was was their sexual adventures. One man, another man, this man. And it's watched by many. Gave way to other church, other shows where they had the first openly gay character on TV. Where it had a well-known show. Where it had people independently living and cross, living with one another. Where did all these things come from? Started somewhere. Disney, Walt and his image. Down to you know, a mouse and family shows and cartoon characters. Now transgender, gay, queer characters. Promoted. Friends, if you got Disney in your home, throw it out. 
I'll just say it right now. Don't partake of that stuff. There are messages that your children are catching and you don't know what they're doing to them. The rise of feminism. Let me just take a few more. I took some of this. It started as a woman's right movement. And after World War I began the flapper area, World War II began to be the trouser and what they call the atomic bomb on the fashion industry. It set the stage for the second wave of feminism, leaders and standards and, and all of these different things. I, I used a few of these first ones. I'm not going to repeat all of them. But this was a woman who was called the first feminist. It coincided with the marketing that started in America's Civil War. She maintained her household and said it's proof women can widen their sphere without deserting it. Started very simple. This woman, 1815, supported divorce, temperance, equal rights for women, but was very condemned when she came into the presence of Charles Finney, a true Holy Ghost-filled preacher, and, and, and she says the visions of that service haunted her. She never returned to Christianity again. She got married in 1840 and had the minister remove the phrase, I promise to obey from her marriage vows. Do you see the line, the thresholds that are crossing? This woman was the first woman to publish her own newspaper. And in doing it, she began to introduce trousers Trousers which were like a little dress, but trousers that came down. She began to promote it in her magazine. This woman was the first woman to keep her maiden name. And people who do that now are referred to as Lucy Stoners. Maybe they don't say it anymore. But she liked the temperance movement. She felt that women could divorce their husband if they weren't correct. She warned against free love. There was still some elements of morality in it. This is what was called the chorus girl era. These were the chorus girls that the, the prophet would speak of. They would go and they'd be out at men's events, baseball, different things. But they would be at the hands of men. That was how it started. It began with a woman named Coco Chanel who changed the fashion industry. She had a short career as a dancer and an actress. But she began to make women's clothing that began to be, used to be used for men's underwear. They began to make clingy dresses, sexy clinging strides, styles that began to be the beginning of her success. World War I changed the role of women, caused them to fill man's roles because men were out in war. And it, it, it meant that the women had to fit into a place. Let me go one further here. At that time, this was an image that the American government put, a masculine image of a woman saying, you've got to help your men in war. You've got to be able to. So the women began to go to factories and do things. However, after the war, they liked working so much, they kept on working. And they abandoned their homes. This is how all these things happen. Let me go back. Oops, sorry. This Coco Chanel. One night she, co she scorched her hair before going out into the Paris Opera. She cut her hair very short. She went out into, in front of the theater. It became known as bobbed hair and it became a trend. 
Flapper was women who wore a new breed of short skirts, bobbed their hair, listened to jazz, and they flaunted their disdain for considered acceptable behavior. Coco Chanel, different ones, they began to create the bob, the, the fashion industry. Bobbing led to the adoption of other aids, and the result was that beauty shops flourished everywhere. We read that already. Wearing pants, certain actresses began to, when they worked, men's work wore trousers. And women's trousers in the summer of 1944 jumped to five times more than they had been in the previous year. And fashion designers began to make them this way. How did the world get to the world the world got to? The bikini, this was the atomic bomb of the fashion industry. A French engineer. Can you imagine an engineer? I don't know if he was a mechanical engineer, a bridge engineer, what he was. I, but anyway, he was running his mother's lingerie business. And he developed a new two-piece atom-sized swimsuit, which he named after the site of the atomic bomb, Bikini Atoll. The bikini was so tiny, none of the models in Paris would wear it on the fashion runways. He hired a new dancer to do the job. She had no qualms about it. The bikini was rejected in the U.S. 1954 featured a swimsuit. I, I'm, I'm coming, I need to come to a stop and finish and just preach a few, few minutes before we close. But it talked about beach party and movies and it began to be a more open way and what was not accepted became very accepted. Listen to what the prophet said. Satan is so very subtle. He has a little teeny bit there, a little there. He's got plenty of time. He runs a little bit in here, a little bit there. And the people are gradually moved into it. Satan began to cut off the skirts to lower them down. It came to pass. They'll design one one time beyond the bikini or what you call a fig leaf. Remember, it'll go straight back. It's practically there now. In 1960, Eleanor Roosevelt, who used to be the wife of a president, became one of the prominent feminists who claimed the need for queerness, in other words, transsexualism, as vital for the destabilization and destructive destruction of normal constraints. 1960, some of the emblems of femininity began targets of feminist activism. If you're interested, I've got a couple of podcasts that were very illuminating to me in this. This is a woman who said, freedom for women cannot be obtained, can, cannot be without the abolition of marriage. In the days of Noah, they were marrying and giving in marriage. What was giving in marriage? Just taking women. The days of Noah are here again. The following, a declaration of feminism. We must go back to ancient female religions like witchcraft. Marriage has existed for the benefit of men and has been legally sanctioned for control over women. The end of the institution of marriage is necessary condition for the liberation of women. It's important for us to encourage women to leave their husbands and not to live individually with men. We know it's an institution that has failed and we must work to destroy it. Friends, what started as the happy homemaker was a message that became very real. 
We must look at the destruction of the nuclear family and must come at a new way of looking at children. Let's, let me just read this. What is it? It's the devil. The invasion's on. In unclean spirits are possessing the people, driving them right into it. The greatest nation in the world, the very seed of the devil, has been planted into the hearts of the people. It's come into Hollywood. It's got on the people, and you can't tell them nothing. You can turn the PowerPoint off and turn the lights on. Just stay with me. I want to read one scripture, Revelations chapter 3. Can you stay with me for just a couple more minutes? There's no evening service. I'll just be a couple more minutes. I want to read Revelations chapter 3. This is a message to the Laodicean church age. Um, you, you can read, you know, unto the angel of the church. I won't read the first few, first verse, but verse 15. I know thy works. You're neither hot, neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich. Now listen, this is, this is the prosperity of Canada, of America, of, of many other nations, European nations. Because you say, I am rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. And you don't know. In other words, a condition of amnesia. And you don't know that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Now, I, I, I'm just going to stop there for a moment. You can just hold that there. Wherever we grew up, I grew up in the 1960s. I grew up in the era of the Beach Boys. I went to places where I, I was never a fan of it, but they would play rock groups, and I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to give anything for it. But I would hear these things, and they were around me. I also listened to country music. I listened to other, I, folk music. I, I would listen to different things. I, I, it was a culture I grew up out of. But I was also raised in a Christian home where I still remember some of the songs. And every once in a while... I'd be listening to music, I'd turn on the radio, and then there'd come, I, I used to work, I worked in an architect's office for a while, and they started playing one day, he played classical music, and it was, his truth is marching on, and I thought, there's something real about that. Or I'd, I'd hear some, they had, a, they had a rock concert in South Africa many, many years ago, and all these rock concerts were raising money for AIDS, and in the middle of all this came a, opera singer named Jessie Norman, and she came to the top of the stage, and she stood there, and without music, and she had a tremendous voice, she began to sing Amazing Grace, and all the spirits began to be quiet, and all the people began to recognize there's another spirit here. I began to see some of those things, so I'm saying... Wherever you have been, whatever culture you have grown up in, there's something that will take you back. God put a seed in you. It will take you back to the original. It wasn't that way from the beginning. And sometimes I actually was there and I was having a good time. And, and, and I remember the verse one time, and, and I'm not even going to repeat it, but we're, we're all laughing and singing, and one guy just started breaking into 
an almost anti-Christ song, and I stopped right there, and I said, no, I'm not going into that. What stopped me? God stopped me. A seed of God stopped me. And there was times when I, I could have crossed another line. I crossed enough lines. But I could have crossed another line, and something said, no, that doesn't feel right. And you know what? And after a period of time, something began to draw me back. And I began to, I remember even in the school, and I shared this last week, in the school I was at, there was two sisters that my mom remembered from the Baptist church when they were there. They had long hair and they wore skirts. And I always marveled when they came by. And I, even though I was in the world, something said, that's real. That's a real woman. That, and, and then when men would be real men. Oh, friends. I, I was just telling my wife, I went the other day. I was going for breakfast and I was the restaurant, and I sat down, and all of a sudden I looked at the guy beside me, 220 pounds muscle, and then I looked at his hair. It started out blue on top, went into green, and down to yellow at the back. And I thought, I feel sorry for that guy. If only he knew what God had made him to be. If he only knew he's in a masculine body, but he's got the wrong spirit. If only he would know. And the prophet would come and tell us, and, and he, would, he would say, here he's saying, you have amnesia. You don't even recognize who you are and what you've got. Let me just read, read a couple of things here. He says, men and women, spiritual amnesia. If you could understand that God has ordained you to be a real man, ordained you to be a real woman, but the God of this world has blinded you. Oh, don't, I don't want to be plagued with that, Lord. He says, the Holy Ghost, that germ of life inside of you. He says, you can't identify yourself. You don't know where you stand. You don't know what you are. You've got to get rid of that now. What is it? What God says may seem old-fashioned. It may seem archaic, but it's the original. What we have in the world today, it wasn't that way from the beginning. It wasn't the way God ordained it to be. I haven't even touched hardly on, on all of the cross-breeding relationships. Where is this going to? Friends, where is the world going to? I, 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 I just say, may God watch over our children. May he watch over our homes. May he keep us, not just under rules and regulations, but keep us under the Holy Spirit. That we have a spirit that identifies with what's actually real. I, I, there's some things I could say. I'm going to save it. I'm not going to go to it. The Holy Spirit... Wants you to get the Holy Ghost. Not an emotional excitement, but get rid of the amnesia that's making you where you can't identify yourself. So how does he do that? Brother Harold would often talk about Brother Rolf Gray. He was a man who grew up in the hippie era. And he came in and had like long hair down to his shoulders and he came into church. And as he came into church, Brother Doug McHughes was preaching. And he was preaching about the time, oh, these long-haired hippies. And he's sitting back there, and he's, he's going, amen. 
But he wasn't identifying with the phrase on the outside. He was identifying with the voice that was condemning it, even though he still looked like it. When did Eve fall? Eve fell when the image that Satan presented her became so real, she stepped into it. Before she ever stepped into it physically, she identified with it in her mind. Friends, and if there's something in you in the Word of God, see, the devil's a master at painting pictures. He's a master. There's such confusion. And he'll even bring it into a church world. But I'll say this, but God has given you something inside as a seed of God that you can identify with an image that God gave you. And I will say, when God brings a word and all of a sudden you seize it, it's revealed to you, it opens up to you, that's the truth. You know what you need to do? Hang on to that. And then when God makes something else real to you, hang on to that. What is it? It's the part that was from the beginning. It's the part that God always had there. And I say, that's the part he's working on. He doesn't want you just to dress right. He wants you to be, be not just conformed, but transformed by the spirit that he gives you. I, I'm going to have the musicians come. I'm going to stop there. I, I trust you understand where I'm going today. I, I said, like I, I said from the beginning, I, I'm staying methodical, staying in an ox anointing today. But I, I'm saying at this that we may not be ignorant of Satan's devices. That we may not be ignorant of that which God has put before us. We have, I will say, a church. The woman is a reflector of the church. And I would like to say, I thank God for the young sisters, for the elder sisters that are an example of what this church believes in. I want to say thank you to those that, that live it, not just in a church, but that live it outside the church. That live it, whatever they're doing. I'm a woman. I'm a Christian. I'm real. I'm from another place. I'm, I've got the Spirit of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. I, I, I say, I thank God for that. I thank God that it's not often that I go shopping with my wife. But the few times that I do... I can be pleased to have her at my side and walk by her. And people, you know, they'll look and say, where did that come from? We went out for a bike ride yesterday. And she hops on her bike and a skirt, and I'm riding behind her. And, and I'm watching a couple of people as she's coming by. And they're kind of pointing. You didn't see that, honey, but I did. They're kind of pointing. They must have been pointing at her with a skirt on and a bike. She's a Christian. It's not just a rule. It's inside. It's real. Ah, that, let's, let's be that. Do you want to be that? Let's stand together. This may sound boastful, this song, but I, I think it's, it's, it's something that we can sing. I've got the life of God in me. I've I, I got His nature, His ability. I've got the life of God in me. Can we sing that this morning? Are we good with that? Somebody say amen, please. <laughs> amen. Let's sing it. I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. I've got His life, His nature, and His ability. I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God. 
Zeit, Vater. 